This is Beyond the Bin. I'm Abby Marsh. And I'm Shabazz Sufi. And this is a podcast for real conversations about the future of the waste industry and what we can do together to protect the environment and strengthen our local communities. Listeners, so for today's episode, we're switching it up a little bit. Um, Shabazz and I are actually not going to be the co-host for this episode. We've asked Paul Ligon, who is the Senior VP of Sustainable Growth here at Casella, to kind of step in and be the host for this episode. Thanks, Abby. So today, Paul is going to be speaking with John Casella, the Chief Executive Officer or CEO of Casella Waste Systems, as well as Neil Grunden, the Deputy Chairman of Grunden, a waste management organization in the United Kingdom. And he's going to be speaking with them today a little bit about the collaborative partnership that the two companies have together. And we've chosen Paul to step in for this episode because he's really been the one who has facilitated that collaborative partnership between the two companies. So we're really excited to have this discussion with John and Neil today and uh, see where Paul takes the conversation. Hi there, this is Paul Ligon with Casella's Beyond the Bin podcast. This week, I'm stepping in for Abby and Shabazz to interview two uh, friends and colleagues, John Casella and Neil Grunden. We're going to be talking about similarities and differences between the U.S. and U.K. We have a special partnership with Grunden who shares a similar culture uh, to that of Casella. I'm going to start off by just uh, asking a general question of these two leaders who I've had the privilege of working with uh, over different parts of my career. Both of you have worked most of your lives leading companies founded by family members. Can you provide a brief overview of that trajectory and what the company looks like today? Thanks, Paul, and uh, thanks for inviting me on. Our company was started in 1929 by my grandfather, Steve Grondon, and he started off with one truck, and now we're driving around with about 400, which I know is nothing like the fleet that you have at Casella, but, um, you know, it's from small, small beginnings, big things grow, and I'm very proud to be here what, 80 years, 90 years on, running a a business that was very different to the one my grandfather started all those years ago. On an update on Casella? Yes, absolutely, Paul. Great to be with both of you. And uh, Neil, I think the companies are a a lot more similar than you think, actually. We started as a one-truck operation in 1975. My brother, Doug, actually started the company and I joined him a year later in 76, and then in 77, we put together and built the first recycling facility in Vermont, and that really was the essence of how we built our company was to really incorporate recycling, uh, which today has evolved to resource solutions and helping all of our customers meet their sustainability goals, but back then it was you know, how do we take, you know, cardboard, aluminum, and other materials that were worth money out of the disposal stream and find a higher and better use? And 40-odd years later, we're still doing the same thing, but, you know, with a lot of great people that are making a great contribution to the company and some great leadership from Paul and other folks that are really helping us to meet the sustainability needs of our customers and communities. 
John, I, I've got to say, <laughs> hearing that recycling plant story, I don't want to give away anyone's ages here, but I, my job when I was about 11 years old in the 1970s was working on our first recycling plant. So um, we built exactly the same thing, mainly for cardboard. But we used to have a contract with a company that used to throw away shoes and they'd throw away the left-hand shoes on a Monday and they'd throw away the right-hand shoes on a Wednesday so that uh, they could make sure that they would be disposed of. And we, we used to take the cardboard boxes from the shoes, but all of our pickers used to wait till the Wednesday came along to the, match the shoes up. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> As you said, guys, more similarities and differences. Yeah. yeah, no no question about it. And we may be a little bit bigger in terms of total trucks. I think, you know, you said you had about 400 or so trucks, and we're probably at about six 650. So, actually, this side, we're not all that uh, much larger in terms of, you know, routed vehicles that we have in the marketplace. So, there's, there's, there's a lot of similarities for sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I noticed in, in working with both of you and, and about both companies is this very, very strong commitment to people and culture centered on employee safety and growth, career, you know, giving people a good career path, customer service, innovation, community engagement, and sustainability. This seems to be a very deep-seated set of commitments that both companies have and it, it seems to stem from a, a very strong set of core values that underlie the culture. Maybe each of you could speak to that a little bit, because I think it's truly a unique emphasis that each company shares. John, maybe you could just start us out on this one. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to, Paul. I, you know, I think that uh, probably one of the most important aspects of really leading a business is to have those core values that are, in fact, solidified and ingrained in the in the culture. And I think that it really gives people the opportunity to act. You know, when you lay out your core values and ours are service, trust, responsibility, uh, integrity, continuous improvement, and teamwork, and you you kind of you know, you have the guardrails effectively from a management perspective that if you're working within the core values, you can't, you can't make a mistake. And it gives people the freedom to act, the freedom to provide the kind of service that we need to provide to our customers and to make the decisions. As long as you're making decisions within the framework of the core values, you can't make a bad decision. And you know, one of the things that uh, has been really clear over the last year, particularly 2020 with the pandemic, and I'm sure Neil and his team has, have felt it as well, we just couldn't be more proud of our management team and our entire team for the way that they have just absolutely stepped up and taken care of our customers in the communities that we serve. The management team's main responsibility has been to to take care of our employees, to make sure they had the PPE, to do the things that are necessary, change procedures to protect them, to make sure that at the end of the day, all of our folks who are taking care of our customers were safe, that they could get that job done and, and we could continue to provide those services to our employees. Um, you know, you, you need to be of service to each other within the organization in order to be of service to our customers. You know, you, you have to build a culture where people are excited about other people being successful in the, 
uh, within the organization. And, you know, you never get there. It's, you know, you're on a journey. you got to work at it every day, and you'll have disappointments along the way. But it's something that we, we work at every day, and uh, it's part of the fabric of the organization, and honestly, it needs to be. It's a simple question. We talk about this with, you know, investors uh, at times as well in terms of, well, what's really important? Well, first and foremost, it's our people. If our people are happy, our customers are happy, and if our customers are happy, our shareholders are going to be happy. And it's put simply, it's fairly complex to get there uh, and to, you know, ingrain the culture, you know, with those values. But uh, as I said, it's a it's a journey. You you never get there. You just have to keep working at it. I mean, one of the things that that we've noticed certainly during this pandemic has been that the reason that people have have stepped up is because they believe in the company that they're working for. I see so many other companies that would love to have that um, involvement. When a business starts off, it has values. They're not written down. But, you know, when companies are small, you can step into the mind of the owner and understand, you know, how he, she, they think. As companies grow, by, by writing those things down and just solidifying them, then as John says, you know, you can't make bad decisions because people are working within those values that come from both from the top down and from the bottom up. And the same same goes for our sustainability goals. This was led by our employees as much as it was from our management team. You know, this was something that we believed in. Uh, we weren't forced into it. Um, it wasn't a piece of legislation that came along and said, you have to do this. It was something that was integral to our company and, and the values that we have. Uh, you know, kind of building on some of the points you made related to the pandemic and, and sustainability, it feels to me like outside of our organization, a, a growing number of people out there are really looking at our industry in a, in a different way where they see us for the essential industry that we are, you know, protecting public health and the environment really for the first time in a long time. I sense that within our entire operating teams, as you suggested, Neil, are you, are you guys seeing the same kind of trends outside of the company where there's a growing kind of recognition in society at large of what our industry really is and what it does and how impactful it is? I think so. Certainly, we've seen, you know, we're, we're getting some really, really nice letters and uh, emails from our customers to that effect. Where the wider society um, sees us in that way, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you're more connected to the residential collection of waste. So, there, you're going to feel it more, certainly from us where we're you know we're, we're more exposed to the commercial industrial world those businesses that i don't say that they ever take us for granted but probably haven't looked at us in the in the way that they do now uh, are certainly uh, seeing us as you know a key part of their supply chain whereas before we were you know considered not ancillary to but you know we weren't up there I think that there's um, there's probably a bit more recognition on our part because of the residential sector and because of the fact that during the pandemic everybody is home. So, 
you know, the truck comes, uh, takes care of waste and recycling, and it just continues to happen as everybody is sequestered at their homes. And the commercial side, a lot of businesses have slowed down. Some of them have, have, you know, completely closed. Inside dining has been closed down now. Outside dining will be closed down across the Northeast with, I think we're getting about probably 20 inches of snow today. Between last night and today, I suspect we're probably going to have over 20 inches of snow. So outside dining will be over. (laughs) So, But I think that there is a beginning recognition, I would say, that we have not seen before where people are beginning to realize that we make modern civilization go without the work that we do from a health and environment perspective modern civilization uh, doesn't exist. Um, So I think that there's beginning to be much more of a realization of the essential nature of our business. And I think that's a good thing. I think that, uh, you know, for a lot of years, it's just out of sight, out of mind. And everyone's been so busy, has so little time on their hands. Um, They I think people are now beginning to realize what kind of service and how important services that we provide. Over 150 years ago, a couple of centuries ago, we, you know, we had two massive cholera pandemics in in London. They lasted two years, and the sort of echoes in history of that. My father always used to say, you know, the reason that we're here is to keep cholera off the streets. And people used to look at him like he'd gone mad. Yeah. But it's only now that you see, you know, that a clean and healthy and tidy environment is so important to people. And just, you know, the act of that truck arriving week after week, day after day, when this disease is running rife, is so comforting for people. Yeah. To say that in some ways the industry enables modern life, to your point, Neil. I think exactly, a growing exactly. number of people are, are realizing that, which is which is terrific. Exactly. Uh, and I think it, you know, Paul, it's 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 interesting because I think our people are getting, you know, much more credit for the work that they do every day. You know, we obviously have always been very proud of that work, and but I think that there's becoming more of a recognition of the importance of the work that our people do every day. I've had the benefit of, again, sort of um, observing and, and participating in the partnership between uh, Grunin and Casella over the years. And um, it'd be great, you know, if each of you could share a little perspective on that. We, we've, we've had conversations around sales and technology and a number of other initiatives because we are so similar and because we don't compete against one another, we collaborate. And and I'd just be interested in your kind of perspective on that. Neil, maybe you could start us off. You, this was kind of grew out of some experiences that you had as, as a young guy in the Grumman well, organization. Yeah. And, and maybe you can give that background and just provide a little perspective on the partnership to date and where you see it going. And then, and then we can turn it over to John. Well, I was very lucky when I was a young man to have contacts within the, I don't know what the, the American organization was then, but it was a... National Solid Waste, right? Yeah. National Solid Waste Association, probably, right? 
That's right. It was a guy yeah. called U- Eugene Wingeter. Do you remember yeah. him? Yep. yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you, Eugene arranged for me to stay with uh, companies all all around um, the the US at the time, and I remember it. It left a indelible mark on me. Mainly the just the similarities. I mean, these were all um, at that. At that time, family family run businesses. I did I did stay with one of your competitors, who I shan't mention. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I was always amazed because that you know if there is a difference between the US and the UK, it, it's one of uh, it's one of optimism, and I was always struck by the optimism and the just the can-do attitude in the US. And I always, I felt that um, for our guys to be exposed to that and, you know, the idea of the American dream, which, you know, is still possible. And in America, you see the art of the possible. And I, I thought it would be great to for our guys to, to have exposure to that and to learn from yourselves. And... Um, Hopefully, we would have something to offer. <laughs> we would have something to offer back, and it's it's been great. We've we've ha- had an exchange program running now a couple of years, uh, or maybe longer, Paul. And I think that exchange of ideas in a you know a non-competitive open environment is great. Because in this business, it's the small things that that make the big difference. You know, you'll see, I remember once I saw, and this is going into my new tie here, but I saw rubber wear plates on loading shovels for the first time in in my life. And I, I first saw that in the US. That saved us saved us hundreds of thousands of pounds on, on equipment. You know, so it's the small things that you notice when you go around our business that that save us save us money and, and make us money so you know it's it's been great it's been great that way and uh, and also everyone that we've met has been so welcoming and 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 really friendly i couldn't agree more neil i, I think one of the things that's uh, most exciting for me is to talk to uh, those folks that have had the benefit of coming over and visiting with you and your team in the uk when you know when our folks come back and, and it just as you know when you think about your people growing and getting education. What better way to do that than to go to a different environment where you may be ahead of us on one aspect of the business. We could maybe lend some some ideas to other aspects of the business that we may be ahead on. And, you know, I just think that it, it's just been a, a wonderful opportunity. And your entire team has been equally as nice. And I, I think that it is just a creates a continuous improvement. It, it, it creates, you know, real passion for the business on both sides. Um, I think that, you know, our people come back uh, just on fire with different ideas and different things that they've seen and, you know, how do we make this better? And it's just a, just a wonderful way to, to, you know, to reward those people who have already had the passion, but to get out and to experience something across the, the pond, so to speak, is... <laughs> It's just a wonderful, a wonderful opportunity for our people and your people, and uh, you know, just areas that you know, just thinking about where we're going now from an organic standpoint, just to have a better understanding of what you're doing and how you're doing it, is truly helpful for us. And it's just the same thing with systems and other things that uh, 
you may be a little bit ahead on. And hopefully, as you said, Neil, we can offer a bit on our side to help bring out the passion of the people that you encourage and send here. So it's a great program, and we couldn't be more pleased with the opportunities. And it's a great opportunity for those people that are involved that have the opportunity to experience it. Thank you guys once again for your time today, John and Neil. Really appreciate the perspective and uh, thank you to all those out there listening. We'll see you next time on Beyond the Bend.